Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. All right, open our Bibles here in Big Church to Psalm 23. We are going through a sermon series here on prayer. We're looking at, in many ways, I would say probably the most famous of all psalms. And sadly, this psalm we're about to see gets pigeonholed as the funeral psalm. Like, you only get read and shared about when someone is in heaven. But you know, when you're in heaven, you don't need to be reflecting on earth about the Good Shepherd because the Good Shepherd will be right there in front of you. You can look and talk to Him right there, Jesus. Here on earth, while we're alive, this psalm absolutely applies to us for the living. Because this is a psalm that David wrote. And he's looking back on his life, and he's seeing how God shepherded him through all the different circumstances and challenges in his life. And we are going to look back on our life, and as we do look back on our life, and we see how the Lord's hand is moving us, even when we were in dark valleys, and also when we were at the top of a mountain, when we felt things were going very well. So whatever season or whatever mountain range, or wherever you're at, we're going to see how the Lord is a good shepherd. So we're in Psalm 23, and then we will look over also in our New Testament book of John, John chapter 10. So we'll turn there in a little bit. We'll be in John 10, 7. So those are our two passages we're going to be at. Now, this is about a shepherd. A shepherd is a, a job that is actually pretty frequent in the Bible. You know, David was actually a shepherd when God called him. He was a young teenager taking care of his father's sheep. And that was when Samuel the prophet shows up and goes to his daddy and says, Jesse, that's his father's name, I've been sent here to anoint one of your sons as the next king of Israel to follow Saul. Well, they brought seven of his older sons out and none of those were the ones. David, the youngest, and also he was a redhead. He was, in the, he was in the field with his sheep watching them. And God calls him from the field and received an anointing to be the next king of Israel. So he was watching and tending to sheep. So it was 15 years from the time he got anointed to all the time, by the time he became the king. Also, you think of other shepherds in the Bible. Moses, he was watching his father-in-law's sheep. His name was Jethro. That sounds like a name from somebody from Alabama, but that was his father-in-law's name, Jethro. And he was watching his father-in-law's sheep, and God appeared to him in a burning bush and called him as an 80-year-old man to go back to Egypt, go back to Pharaoh, and to say, let my people go. Another shepherd in the Bible was Jacob. He, was the, he had 12 sons, and God renamed him Israel. And that's why the Lord did a great thing through his, uh, his 12 sons. And then a very well-known shepherd was one of the first human beings on earth. His name was Abel, and he was also got murdered. He was, his, his brother Cain murdered him. He was the son of Adam and Eve. And he was a shepherd, the Bible says, as well. So being a shepherd is something we don't typically uh, th- think about a lot as a job, but 
also one of the most unique things in the Bible that happened with shepherds right after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And by the way, David was a shepherd on those hills there in Bethlehem. It says there that first night, that first uh, night of Jesus being born, angels appeared to shepherds uh, on their, watching the sheep on the side of the mountain there, side of the hill, and the shepherds were actually the first visitors to see baby Jesus. So who saw baby Jesus first? It was Mary and Joseph, and then it was these shepherds who came in to visit them. Those were the first guests who appeared to Jesus. So we see how the Lord has used a shepherd. Now, what is a, sh- a, sh- a shepherd watches sheep? Sheep are full-grown animals. When we use the word lamb, that is a baby sheep. So this week, I was preparing for this, working on this on Thursday morning, preparing this lesson, you know, praying, spending time in prayer, looking at what the Bible says about taking care of sheep and the good shepherd. And I get a real unique phone call. I went up here at the office in the church Thursday morning. And a gentleman who sings in our choir, at, his name's Charlie Robinette, calls me from Florida. He calls me and says, Dan, I need to tell you something. I've got these grandchildren who are part of their 4-H club. And we have these lambs, and they're going to Liberty, Kentucky, to the slaughterhouse. And you and Sherry can purchase, um, a, a, when you take a lamb, this is a baby sheep, to a slaughterhouse, it weighs like 200 pounds, and the way they slaughter lambs, you'll get about 40 pounds of meat from, uh, from the lamb. Would you like to purchase 40 pounds of meat and you can store it in your freezer if you have room for it at home. I said, okay, I'm preparing this message here on about the good shepherd. We're guiding our sheep from field to field. And this literally got this phone call and about buying 40 pounds of meat of the of dead lamb from the 4-H club, his grandkids. So I text Sherry. She's at work. I said, Sherry, would you like me to purchase 40 pounds of lamb meat for our freezer? I don't even know if we have room for that much. But whatever, I just do what I have to do. And she quickly said, no. That was what just came back. Not interested at all. I tell Charlie, so not interested. So, uh, passed. But that was unique here. I mean, here we are talking about uh, being sheep, being led. And here we have people, first time in my life, have somebody tried to sell me lamb meat uh, while I'm thinking about truly preparing this message on. Uh, being the good shepherd over the sheep in Psalm 23. So that's what we're about to read right here. Uh, And this is a message that we need to know because the first verse actually sets the course for this entire psalm. And this is one where we memorize it a lot and we also, we typically only hear about this during funerals, but this is about, it's in past tense, so this is our life. And as you read this, I want you to think about your life how the Lord has provided for you, how He's guided you, how He has just taken you through every event and course in the history of your life. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Now, many of us have grown up on the King James Bible or the New King James Bible, and, uh, I ha- and we have typically, it starts out with, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't have any wants. I don't have any want." Uh, there's nothing I want. There's this desire about the word want is used there. And I think what, of helping us understand this first verse, two things are being pulled out here. It starts out with the Lord. God is presenting Himself to David as 
the shepherd. He is the one who guides the sheep. David is saying, I'm the sheep. I'm the one being guided. And he says, I have what I need. All of us have these wants. We all have desires. But the Word of God is telling us, the Lord has given us what we need. All of us here have to look at our life and truly say, is there anything that I need? I mean, think about it. If you are saved, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, if Jesus Christ has saved you, what else do you need? What else is there to want? What other desire could you possibly have? Because God has met those desires. And this, the rest of this psalm and what we're going to see actually flows from these verses. David is saying, God has met every single need that I have. We might have wants and desires, but the Lord is greater. You know, when I was a young man, I think I've shared this story before, um, anytime you're 16 or 17, you want a lot of stuff. So I was about that age, and I started driving. I used to drive a little blue pickup truck back in Alabama days. Everybody drove a truck, and uh, they still do, but uh, I had my truck, and what we would do, this is back in the 90s in Birmingham, Alabama, if you were 16 or 17, you wanted to go out to eat. Now back then, you could actually go out to a restaurant I'm not kidding, with the tip and everything for like $9. So it did not cost very much. Um, I had a job, I worked two days a week at our local grocery store called Dell Champs, which went out of business. I made my $4 an hour, and I would take my money, and all I had to buy at that point in my life was gas for the truck, and I would go out to eat with my friends. And where we would go out to eat is the, the place back then, and they, I think they used to have one here, but went out of business. Do y'all remember this restaurant? It was called TGI Fridays. TGI Fridays in the 1990s was the place, not one of, but the place for every teenager to eat. All you wanted to do was go to TGI Fridays and, and go out to eat. Because you have mamas cooking at home, but you know, you want to go out to eat with your friends. That was what was cool. That's what we did. Well, and in my early days of driving, early days like 16 or 17, I would just got my license. Whenever I had a dollar in my wallet, I was going to do this. And I had church friends and guys from school we would go out to eat with. And uh, we would do this. And after like one meal and one tank of gas, I was out of money. So I would go to my dad, who I guess I just viewed as a bank who would just hand out money to his son. But after doing this a couple or three times, one day I came to my father. And I said, Dad, I want $20 because it's Friday night and I'm going out to eat my friends and I don't have any money. I've spent it all on gas and I went out to eat a few days ago. So I need some more money. And I had gotten used to him saying yes. Well, at some point, you, Dad turns off the spigot of money. And finally, at some point, he said, no, I'm not going to just keep giving you money to go out to eat with your friends. If you want some food, we've got a pantry full of food right in there. You just get what you want. So up until that point, I had just gotten yes, 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 yes. And then all of a sudden, bam, I get a no. And I'm unhappy at this point. I'm like, whoa, 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 Dad, that's not what I'm used to. That's not the answer I've been accustomed to getting. And I think a lot of times for us, when we, when we see, I, I have what I need. 
we have to be reminded from the Lord that we have all these wants and desires, but God gives us what we need. And my dad was trying to break this habit of me of just going out to eat regularly as I please as a 16 or 17-year-old with all of my friends. And what the Lord is about to teach us in this passage, when He shepherds us through life and the ups and downs and the valleys and then the mountains, we're reminded that the Lord knows what is best for us. And my dad, as a father, was saying, son, you're not going to sit there and just do this whenever you want and just get whatever you want in life because that's not how the world really works. There's a lot of times the biggest blessing and the best answer you can ever give someone is no. I'm not going to pay for this. You're not going there. You're not hanging out with that person. And that is actually a blessing to not just our children and maybe our grandchildren, it's also a blessing to us from the Lord when God closes a door, when God tells us no, and we have to go through a dark valley because that actually causes us to become more dependent upon the shepherd. I learned a lot. I remember that story from 30 years ago, my dad telling me no. And a lot of times those no's, those dark valleys, is when the Lord uses the most in our life to bring us closer to Him and teach us about Him. Look here, now we're about to go through this. He's about to tell us the story of his life. He's looking back, David is. He lets me lie down in green pastures. Those are the good days. Those are when times are going great. That's when your daddy gives you money for TGI Fridays. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths. For His name's sake. So when we're in good times, God is leading us along the right paths. He's leading us along quiet waters. There are seasons, there are times in our life that truly just things are going really well. You wake up in the morning, you feel great, and you just spend time with the Lord. You've got time to do that. You have a sense of peace. Your bills are being paid that day. You feel like, I'm healthy. I'm not in lots of pain. There's not lots of turmoil in my family, in my life. I don't have a million problems at work. There will be times for you that you are going along the quiet paths in the green pastures. But look at this. That's not always the case. God will shepherd you and I along quiet, easy waters, a smooth path. But there's going to be a lot of times in our life where we go through a dark valley. Look what David. Remember David. He was anointed as a young king of Israel. But he had his father-in-law, Saul, who was a very jealous and angry man, who once he found out that he was being anointed, he was trying to kill him. David was on the run for his life for over a decade from his father-in-law, who kept throwing a spear at him and had an entire army chasing him in the wilderness. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So David's saying, even when things aren't going great, even when I can't pay the bills, even when I'm having family and girlfriend and uh, school problems and lots of problems at home and grandkid problems and it's just uh, problems in our city, crimes out of control, you feel like our United States is spiraling and down the tube, and you sense what is going on in the world, the Lord is saying, I'm still with you. Your, 
You're up on the mountain. You're down in the valley. The Lord is there. And David said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A shepherd uses his rod to guide the sheep. What is a shepherd actually doing? A shepherd's doing two things. He's protecting the sheep from other people stealing sheep. Sheep are defenseless animals, so it would be very easy if you were a thief to go and say, you know what, I, have, I, I need some more sheep, so this, there's nobody watching these sheep, so you just go take three or four from this herd over here and add them to your collection of sheep. And he's also protecting them from animals like a wolf coming and a, or a bear or any type of animal, a coyote coming and attacking the animal. So a shepherd, the presence of him with his staff, he's watching and protecting the sheep. It would probably be a very boring job because you're just sitting out there all day long. And it was in this time, David's able to write this psalm because he knows what it's like to be a shepherd because as a young man, he spent all that time in the middle of the field thinking, I am truly wasting my life. This is miserable. Do you know, one time when I was living in Georgia, there was a young man that entered the Marine Corps. He graduated from Newton High School, and he entered the U.S. Marines with the Paris Island, South Carolina. And he spent four years there. And he says, when he got out, he came back to church. Basically, four years later, I about, about saw him again. Uh, and he told me it was actually miserable, is what he described it as. It was it's not what you think. It's not always what the recruiters say. He says, ultimately, what he did is he cleaned trucks and swept and kept everything clean. But he said he learned a couple of things. Even though it was absolutely miserable what he did for four years and he was happy to get out of that, he learned the value of hard work. And he said he actually was able to take the value of hard work and just, he said, Daniel, in many, many ways, it was just, I felt like I was wasting four years of my life sitting here, a truck would go out and get dirty, and it would come back, and I would clean it. And then we'd make a mess on the ground, and we would clean the mess on the ground. Then the next truck would come in that's dirty, and I would clean the truck, vacuum it out, clean it up, and clean up the ground. He did this for four years. And he says it was miserable. I mean, because I mean, he could clean a car blindfolded in a truck. Because he just knew how to do it. That's literally all the man did. He sat there at the cleaning center, at the Marine Corps cleaning center, cleaning vehicles and tanks and whatever else, jeeps that would just come in. And he says it was awful, but he learned how to work. And he was able to take the unbelievable work ethic that he learned and apply it in a future job. And David here is in probably, I would say, in one of these miserable jobs. He's out in the field watching sheep and there's no animals and there's no other people around he's in Bethlehem and then he was able to take those principles that God taught him being alone with the Lord and with the animals and write this psalm what I'm trying to say is when you are stuck in like a miserable place in life what we might call a dark valley you're cleaning trucks for the army or the marines and you're watching farm animals, and there's no people around whatsoever, wolves or anything else, day after day after day after day. It's in those dark valleys that the Lord grows you closer to Him and teaches you. 
That's what David's saying here. The shepherd, the rod, and the staff, that's the Lord. They actually comfort him. David learned his life skills to be a king. God prepared this king in the fields in Bethlehem. And it goes on to say, now the psalm is about to shift in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. David was anointed in those fields, in the shepherd's field, in front of his brothers, in front of the prophet Samuel to be the next king. He's literally there watching sheep. He gets pulled out of it, and then he became the anointed future king. And what happens there is the Lord pulls this man, an unlikely person, and is preparing him for what he's going to do. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. What that means, pursue, God is going after David. He's saying it's like the Lord is chasing after him. David is living this life of going up on the valleys, up on the mountains, and down in the valleys. And that's what happened to David's life. It was truly one of a roller coaster. His first 15 years after he was anointed, right after he gets anointed, he then um, he finds himself uh, killing Goliath with one stone. Then he has to go on the run from Saul for many years. Then he becomes the king. Then he commits adultery with Bathsheba and goes back in and value. I mean, it's just like a rolling hill. I once this week, I should have saved this picture and showed it. I saw a picture of, of Eastern Kentucky. In Eastern Kentucky, many of us here are from Eastern Kentucky. It is truly rolling hills. You have these valleys, these plateau areas. Then you have these mountains. They aren't huge mountains. They're small little mountain hills. And then it goes back down. It's just rolling hills of of small mountains all through eastern Kentucky. And that is in many ways a picture of our life. There are times we're in the valley, and it's just hard. You struggle. And you, you rely upon the Lord when you're in the valley. You're, you wake up 5 in the morning. It's nonstop. You're busy. You've got a million and one things to do. You feel like you have no time. You can't ever, can't ever get ahead. And then there's other times you're up on the top of the mountain or the hill. And you're leading, lead, led beside the quiet, still waters. You're with the Lord. You wake up, and you're not that busy. You just have time to devote and time to give to God. In whatever season you're in, David is saying, all these days of your life, whether you're in the dark valley, or you're up on the mountain, and you're feeling close, and you're right, God is answering those prayers right now. You are with the Good Shepherd. He is leading you up and down throughout your life. That is a picture of David's life. He just had rolling hills and valleys throughout his life. And look what David says here at verse 6. How this psalm ends. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you know one of the commitments you should always make is that you will never lose perspective of where you're going. What I mean by that is David knew. David knew. His ultimate home was not here on earth. It wasn't in Kentucky. It wasn't in Israel. He was going to heaven. And he was faithful to God, no matter how good or how bad things got. If he had a lot or if he had nothing, he was committed completely to the Lord. He's going to dwell in the presence of the Lord. 
forever. Jesus spoke about this psalm. Flip over in your Bibles to John chapter 10. Jesus picks up on this idea of the good shepherd. He shares about himself. Jesus here is going to give us instruction on how we're to live as followers and disciples of him in the context of shepherding. John chapter 10, verse 7. Our Bibles teach us, Jesus again said, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. That means Jesus is telling me, telling the people, there were all these people out there who were thieves and they were robbing. That means they were stealing the truth. And we always have to be aware, uh, be consciously um, uh, knowledgeable of what, what could happen to us. And it says in verse 9, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pleasure. So Jesus is teaching us that he's this gate. Now, understand in the context of a shepherd, if you had sheep, you would move them from field to field. So there would be fencing and gates. So sheep are constantly moving from gates to gate to wherever the grass is. I'm guessing that's how it is. I've never watched sheep. I'm guessing if you have gates and pens and you're just moving them from place to place. So this is what you have to watch out for. And this is what the devil does to us in verse 10. This truly summarizes what Satan does. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what a thief would do. A thief would come in and steal sheep. And then he would kill the sheep, maybe make, like Charlie Robinette, get 40 pounds of meat and sell it there to someone. And then this destroyed not only that sheep's life, but also destroyed your business because you're having people uh, hurt your income. That's what the devil does to us. The devil steals from us. He kills us, and then ultimately we are destroyed in hell. Now, we have to be aware that Jesus using this as the context is he's the good shepherd, we're the sheep, meaning we are, we are utterly helpless. Our only hope is the good shepherd to protect us because there is a wolf we're about to see here who is attacking sheep. Think about all the people, all the lives, even within our church, who've been attacked by the devil. Their families are destroyed. Their children are addicted to drugs. They have experienced uh, for gambling issues, just ma major financial ruin. I mean, it's just all around. Alcoholism, um, just uh, foolish sexual decisions, and their lives are destroyed. And that's what the devil does. Kill or still kill and destroy all around us here in Lexington this is occurring and we have to realize that as sheep our only hope is the good shepherd who's going to protect us and then Jesus says I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance that's what the good shepherd gives us abundant life verse verse 11 we're going to read through verse 18 I'm the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep the hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. That's the devil in our life. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. A hired hand for us 
might not be us hiring someone. Hired hand is us is trying to find and use something or someone as, per, as, as protection or safety in our life that doesn't provide. And like for, for example, for us, that could be this, this desire to always make money, feeling if I make lots of money, I'll be able to do stuff and, and have happiness and know the Lord. And you just can't. You cannot buy your salvation. You can't. You can't buy the good shepherd through money in your life or through any type of uh, pleasure or through social media following. He's saying here, Jesus is teaching us, saying these people, you're going to be attacked by the wolf and all all the things you had trusted in are going to be like a hired hand and they're gone. Look what Jesus goes on to say. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is saying, I'm about to die for these people. I know I'm a good shepherd. But I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. That's a reference to us as Gentiles, meaning there's other sheep. There's people outside of Judaism who will get saved. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The Bible's teaching us that Jesus is such a good shepherd. He went to the cross, died for our sins, was buried and then rose again so we can have life. Jesus is showing us that His life and ministry was actually shepherding us to salvation. The Good Shepherd, He leads you and I to eternal life. Do you know that is God's will and purpose and plan for us? The greatest thing the Good Shepherd can do for you and I and our family and the people we know is to see them to salvation. Lead them to salvation. And then once you realize you are saved, your greatest need is met. We have all lots of desires and wants, but the Good Shepherd, Jesus, is teaching us. He shows us, says, that some of the things you desire, you really, truly do not need. And not only that, you think about it, men. You should shepherd your wife. Parents, you should shepherd your children and your grandchildren. Shepherding is something we do. What we actually are doing is we're trying to position people. We're trying to guide people to make godly decisions. I have four children. I want my children very actively involved in this church. They're going to be here every time the doors are open. I put them around other friends who are godly and who love the Lord because I know if they're not shepherded, if I'm not, you don't, if you, don't, if you don't guide your children and your grandchildren down the right paths, there is a wolf out there, according to this Bible verse, that is looking to steal, kill, and destroy. There is nothing the devil wants to do more than to destroy your marriage, destroy your children, get them addicted to something, get, be, help them become an addict, help them just make foolish decisions, and ruin their life. And we, as godly Christians, if you're mature, maybe you've been a believer a long time, you are hopefully shepherding your family in that direction. Because why? 
we have a heavenly Father in heaven who's shepherding us down quiet paths, even walking us through dark valleys. And there are times all of us that go through a dark valley. There's tough times all for all of us, frequently. And we trust the Lord no matter what happens, no matter where we go, up and down the rolling hills of eastern Kentucky, we are trusting and dependent upon Him. How does this apply to our life? These passages in, in Psalm 23, the Lord is our good shepherd. I have no wants. God is reminding us there is nothing else we need but Him. And then Jesus is teaching us that one of the ways He shepherds us is to protect us from the wolf that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. There are so many people in our city, in our schools, in in our workplaces, they have been attacked by the devil. And you see brokenness all in their life. All sorts of problems. Everything is crumbling. Everything is collapsed. And you wonder, how did this happen? It happened because they did not have a good shepherd or they did not trust a good shepherd to protect them from the wolf. And I want to share a lot of that protection, just like for me, going back to that illustration. My dad told me, son, this is before cell phones and everything, so if you wanted to hang out with your friends, you couldn't text them. That was, this was before texting. And the only way to see them is to meet them at TGI Fridays and you would hang out at the restaurant. That's just what you did in Alabama back in the early 90s. And he just finally says, no, you don't need to do it. You don't need to sit there and waste all that money and just spend all that time hanging out with your friends. And I think for us, if you have family members and they are spending hours and hours on video games and on social media, you have to take it away or say, that's too much. You need to stop doing that. That's not your life. That's, you, the devil is a wolf and he disguises himself. He gets in the sheep pen and he wants to attack you and I. And if we do not trust the good shepherd whose rod and their staff, they comfort and guide us. You notice how Jesus says they go from gate to gate. He says sometimes you're going to be in this gate, but there's going to be another time in your life God's going to move you to this other gate. That's what Jesus said at the verses 7 and 8 in John chapter 10. What He's talking about is because He knows there's going to be a wolf that's going to get in this pen over here and you need to get away from that wolf. God moves us to wherever pen or whatever gate we need to be in through our life. And we don't understand it. We don't even see it. We're not a lot of times even aware. But we trust the Good Shepherd wherever He's guiding us. This morning I ask you, have you gotten saved? Have you, Jesus used that word, saved? He put it by putting you in the right pen, by putting you in the right position for you to trust the Good Shepherd. I'm going to invite Beecher and our band to come forward at this time. We're going to have our invitation. This is our time that we trust the Lord. If you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you have never alive allowed the Good Shepherd to guide you to the quiet, still waters, paths of righteousness, part of being a follower of Jesus is saying, Lord, if I'm in a dark valley or I'm up on a mountain, Lord, I trust You. And that's what we do this morning. We say, God, I'm Yours. Whatever is occurring, I'm going to trust that You will guide me down the right path. God is not going to lead us 
to a path to allow us to get stolen from, killed, and destroyed. The Bible says that is what the wolf does. That is what the devil does to so many people. Even believers have been attacked. You can see it. But we have a Lord who does not want us to go down that road. He doesn't want us in certain sheep pens at certain times in our life. And this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, that is what it means to have a good shepherd. You are trusting Christ to save you. So we're going to stand together. Myself and Zach Bauer, we wait down front. This is your time. You can get saved. You come. We've had a lot of people saved in this service recently. Maybe you're next. We're going to have a baptism service in two weeks, and you need to get baptized. You walk this aisle and get saved. This is also your time. If you're looking to join our church, you join Broadway Baptist Church. Allow Jesus to shepherd you down the aisle, right up front, and say, I'm ready to follow Jesus and belong here. Beecher and Danielle and Ryan are going to lead us in our song. I'll be standing up front. Zach's here waiting. You respond to the gospel. You.